0: Welcome to this archived LDN Research Trust conference presentation. We hope you enjoy it. Well, hello. Uh, Thanks for the invite. It's been some great lectures already. And I wanted to start with the LDN and thyroid disorders. And normally you think, okay, we're just going to talk about Hashimoto's and Graves. You already know the mechanism. Give it. Okay, it works. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. There's your three slides. We're done. But we want to show that that probably Hashimoto is one of the least common causes of hypothyroidism. And so we'll go through how low-dose naltrexone can help a much wider range of patients that have low thyroid, they come in with symptoms of low thyroid, and their TSH is normal, their T4 is normal, or actually high, and you know their thyroid's fine. But studies show they're not. For, there's tissue regulation. So how many people treat thyroid patients here, and? or treat with a normal TSH, even though their thyroid tests are normal, and have a couple of studies downstairs that show why this is the case, and if you, if you treat your patient and the endocrinologist down the street starts hassling you, just give them these two studies. Each of them have about 200 references in showing why people with normal thyroid tests are low thyroid. Really, anyone with any inflammation has low thyroid, and I'll talk about that. So, uh, LDN, so uh, first we'll talk about the basic autoimmune um, thyroiditis, Hashimoto's, so you'll see antithyroglobulin, anti-TPO. Now, if you look at Hashimoto's, you break it down into basic immune system, TH1 and TH2, your cellular immunity and your uh, hormone immunity, like that, and they'll consider Hashimoto's as TH1, but you got antibodies. So it's a mix, and if you test people, they'll, they'll have both. And, uh, and so Lodosyltrexone actually you know modulates and works for kind of both types of patients. And I'll show a study where basically they looked at, well, I'll wait until I get to the slide. But then also Graves' disease. So Graves basically is the same thing as Hashimoto's. Most people that have Graves also have Hashimoto's. So the anti anti-TPO antibodies attacking the thyroid, but if they have a thyroid globulin, which attaches to the TSH receptor, now you get hyper while you're still destroying the thyroid. So sometimes, you know, endocrinologists love to just you know, either ablate or take out the thyroid for Graves' disease, then they give the patient T4, what happens, they gain on average 17 pounds, and they tell them, they give them Synthroid, and they tell them their thyroid level's normal, and they feel like crap, and basically, you know, say, no, you, it's, you need to exercise more and eat less. Well, how, how could that be normal? But, um, so again, Hashimoto's generally described as Th1 dominant, and Graves' as Th2. Uh, significant individual variation. Um, So they could actually be both. And when you look at, you know, with the immune system, it's so complex, we try to simplify it in this, you know, we we try to break it down to TH1, TH2, these different things, but there's so many interactions that you, it's oversimplification. (laughs) So LDN can be useful for, uh, for both of these, which is why you could see a lot of these illnesses like Crohn's, hey, that's like Th1, why should it be good if it's lowering Th2? You know, it should make that worse, but it doesn't because it's immune modulator regulator. So um, Hashimoto's and Graves are often associated or initiated by chronic infections or gut dysbiosis. So I talked about the gluten. Yeah, you know, we have uh, had so many people with, with Hashimoto's and Graves that say, get off gluten, goes away. Um, and Lobos is just a great treatment with them, but we also find, was just the last great lecture was uh, talking about gluten, so well, so well put, that we're finding it really works. Um, and so really, the modern diet gluten is, is really a big problem. Differential bacteria, and uh, he also spoke about that, where we're finding... Uh, the bacteria really modulate the immune system. Some will increase inflammation. Some of the bacteria in the gut will reduce. Uh, some of the um, is there a laser pointer? Yeah. Uh, so basically, some of the ones of the uh, like probiotics actually increase inflammation and in Th2 that are in standard probiotics and yogurt. So you really don't want those. Uh, toxic metals also increase Th2 and inflammation. Different hormones, it's a little complex, but estrogen, progesterone, and cortisol generally decrease the TH1, TH2 ratio, but there's conflicting results, and testosterone generally increases uh, TH1, TH2 ratio. So less autoimmune disease in men. Um, Hashimoto's are Graves also should, wait, what happened here? Did it not go forward? So let's talk about how the thyroid works. So thyroid-releasing hormone tells the pituitary in the brain to secrete thyroid-stimulating hormone. The thyroid then secretes T4, which is a pro-hormone, which then can convert to T3, you hope, or can go to reverse T3, which is thought of an inactive thyroid, but it actually blocks the thyroid, reduces T4, T3 conversion. So it's called reverse T3 because it's like T3, but backward, so it goes to receptor, sticks there, nothing happens, so it blocks T3. If you infuse reverse T3 into someone, their metabolism just drops. So endocrinologists still think it's just an inactive hormone, but hundreds of studies show it's not. So let's look okay, what are the steps required for the thyroid to work? Well, first you have to have hypothalamic pituitary function, okay? Uh, and then uh, you basically, so you secrete TRH, which will cause pituitary secrete TSH. Now there's also some, Interesting studies on your TSH can have different bioactivity. This is kind of a different topic, but it's interesting. You can tell someone's low thyroid by actually their TSH activity. Um, thyroid function so you have to have the thyroid secrete T4, and then T4 has to convert to T3 and actually be transported into the cell. It has to bind to the receptor, then you have to have downstream activation of this receptor. Okay, so how common are these abnormalities okay so you ask the endocrinologist you know what is the most common cause of low thyroid hashimotos right so that's basically a problem of secretion of t4 but let's look at how common the problem is in each of these conditions so the hypothyroid pituitary function very common problem any inflammation chronic illness will cause hypothalic pituitary dysfunction and and suppression of the TSH. Um, Secretion of T4, so destruction of the thyroid, not as common. So what they're saying is the most common cause is one of the least common. Conversion of T4 to T3, very common. Diabetics, 40 to 50% reduction in T4 to T3 conversion likely due to the inflammation, and they have leptin resistance, which I'll talk about, which causes immune dysfunction. Heck, hey, low-dose naltrexone helps that. So, um, thyroid hormone transport in the cell. Now, I have two papers down there talks about the conversion, and thyroid hormone transport is probably, thyroid hormone transport will explain the uh, all the strange laboratory tests that that you get, and you can't explain why the person's low. When a person's TSH is low or T4 is high, um, basically they probably have, with a chronic illness, that's a sign of low thyroid. Inflammation suppresses the TSH. The T4 and T3 um, uh, hormones have different transporters. They're energy dependent. And the T4 uh, transporter is more energy dependent. So if any, t- any um, illness that has low tissue energy, mitochondrial dysfunction, which is, again, any, uh, inflammation, obesity, dieting. Dieting will just wipe it out. You know, uh, obesity, um, chronic uh, autoimmune disease, chronic illness, infections, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, huge. If you look at depressed patients, they have a low normal TSH, a high normal T4. you don't read all the studies and go, well, they're a little bit hyperthyroid. That's funny, the largest study done on antidepressants, the Star Report of the 4,000 studies showed that giving T3 was a better antidepressant than antidepressants. And, uh, but they keep uh, passing over that and they you know, just ignoring it, really. So, really key, and there's a paper down there that goes into detail. Receptor binding, very common. Plastics, pesticides, toxins. BPA will block the thyroid receptor in all the cells except the pituitary. Now, pituitary is completely different than every other tissue in in the body. It has different transporters, where if the body has a lot of inflammation, the body, the transporters that transport the thyroid into the cells of the systemic tissues drops significantly, but the pituitary increases, actually, the thyroid into the cells. So with chronic inflammation, you'll get more, T4 and T3 into the cell and actually you get upregulation of type 2 deiodinase, which is in the pituitary With inflammation type 2 diadonase goes up type 1 diadonase which converts T4 to T3 in the tissues goes down So any chronic inflammation You'll get more thyroid into the pituitary More conversion to T3 the pituitary sees more thyroid TSH drops the rest of the body less thyroid goes into the tissues, less T4 converted to T3, the rest of the body is hypothyroid. So with any chronic illness, any inflammation, again, all those things I mentioned before, they need T3. And what they'll do is they'll give those patients T4, like depressed patients, they'll give them T4, doesn't work, it's the wrong thing to give them because they don't, they don't transport T4 into the cell and say, see, it's not hypothyroid. Well, you're given the wrong hormone. So again, standard traditional way to diagnose low thyroid based on the elevation of the TSH. This is going to miss over 80% of low people, uh, uh, of low pe- 80% of people with low thyroid. Um, but most doctors will not treat because they're ingrained the TSH, you know, it's simple. So studies show that any inflammation, which is really immune dysfunction, there's a decrease in TSH and T3 and an increase in reverse T3, and again, reverse T3 blocks the thyroid. Now reverse T3 also has the same transporter, we're not sure, or the same, the transporter has the same pharmacodynamics and same pharmacokinetics as the T3 transporter, okay? So if you have high reverse T3 in the blood, high normal, they change the assays from the RIA, which, which which they need a radioactive material for. Um, they ch- they change it to a, a GCMS, and they shrink the ranges, so it's not as sensitive anymore. But so high normal reverse T three tells you two things. You know, basically tells you that there's there's inflammation that T because of the same transport or same pharmacokinetics. High reverse T three means T four is not getting into the cell. High reverse T3 is general, it's not from increased conversion. That's only a small portion. It's from decreased transport into the cell. It talks about it in those papers that I have on the table, brought a bunch, lugged them down here for you guys. Um, but so if you have some of the high reverse T3, two things, you know they're low thyroid and don't give them T4. The more severe the inflammation, the immune dysfunction, the more severe the suppression. Chronic non-thyroidal illness, so which, where you get decreased tissue levels of T3 and will uh, will occur with physiological emotional stress, depression, dieting. If you do, they showed this in rats, three rounds of dieting, people go, I've wrecked my metabolism. People go, oh yeah, right, right. You have. If you go back to normal eating, it still doesn't go back to normal, okay? and you'll find all those patients have persistent high reverse T3. So what do they need? T3. And you say, you're giving thyroid for obesity. Oh, you shouldn't do it. Well, they're all low thyroid. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So they're all low thyroid. So yes, you're not giving thyroid for obesity. You're giving all obese patients thyroid because they're low thyroid. But they need T3, not T4. Weight gain, leptin resistance. She has no about leptin. So leptin basically goes up when you gain weight, tells the brain to stop storing energy. Um, so, when you're, uh, so what would happen? So then your body responds by increasing metabolism, increasing thyroid, decreasing appetite, and telling the body to lose weight. When they found out about this new miracle hormone, they gave leptin to rats. They all lost weight. They gave it to humans. It didn't work. Why? Because they found that most people have difficulty losing weight, especially women, have a leptin resistance. So leptin goes up, but doesn't get to the brain. So now the brain thinks the body's starving. So what, what does it do? Lowers metabolism, lowers thyroid, lowers TSH, tells the body to store fat, increases hunger. So, and how you get that resistance is actually inflammation. So lower inflammation, Lower the leptin resistance. So, check leptin in patients if it's above 12, they have leptin resistance. Reduce inflammation. Immune modulators, lowest altrexone one of the cheapest, easiest uh, things to do. Uh, insulin, insulin resistance and in diabetes, we talked about. We any inflammation, chronic syndrome, fibromyalgia, we have great results with um, uh, lowest altrexone in those patients. It doesn't work for everyone. And uh, we do tell them to get off gluten, but I think I'll be much more uh, persistent now with that after the last lecture. We're using a lot of things too. You can use gamma globulin as an immune modulator, but that does lower natural killer cell function, which isn't ideal. We're starting to use some interferons and some colony stimulating factors for these things, especially with chronic uh, fatigue syndrome Lyme patients, which is just exploding. We'll, we'll hear about that uh, next lecture. Um, but. Uh, It's just unbelievable how many people have Lyme. Chronic pain, exposure to toxins, plastics, pesticides, um, all modulating the immune system. So all these patients have reduced tissue activity of thyroid. So LDN can basically be used in any of these patients with chronic illness. So here is just a... you know, saying, so this is about the uh, why the TSH is unreliable. So any of these things we just talked about, stress, PMS, studies on PMS showed that the patients with PMS have basically low levels of thyroid if they do TRH testing, which is another way to test thyroid, that between, uh, one study had 70% of PMS patients had low tissue levels of thyroid despite having normal thyroid tests uh, compared to 0% of controls and about 70 cent responded just by giving thyroid, uh, by giving T3. So what happens again, just to go over that, so the body will basically increase, upregulate type 2 deiodinase in the pituitary. So you get increased T4 or T3 conversion, which reduces TSH. The rest of the body, the opposite happens, because it has type 1 deiodinase, which is suppressed with these illnesses, so you get less T4 to T3, but you do get an upregulation of type 3 deadinase, so you get high reverse T3, uh, which causes low tissue level of thyroid. So pituitary sees more thyroid, TSH drops, the rest of the body sees less. So it shows that TSH is a useful marker for the for the, the thyroid level in the body uh, in a theoretical patient. If you have a patient who has isn't stressed, has never gained weight, has never dieted, doesn't have any illness doesn't live on planet Earth with all these toxins, then you can use the TSH. Otherwise, you can't. Now, if the TSH is above two, they're low because the pituitary is always gonna see more thyroid. But if it's low, low normal, you don't know. And here's just with age, you know, they say, well, let's just change the reference ranges here. Um, we look at free T4 straight and TSH drops, so are older people getting hyperthyroid? No, they're getting lower thyroid. You know, they're all freezing cold, you know, the guy with the card- cardigan, you know. Um, so TSH does not work as a surrogate. So here's typically what happens with, with the uh, levels. Uh, and you can see on your on blood work, this is the sicker you get, the more inflammation, aging, the, the more severe the tissue level, the lower the tissue level of thyroid, the more inaccurate TSH becomes. So when this In mild cases, you'll basically start seeing, basically the TSH will go up a little bit, then as it gets severe, it starts going down. So this is a terrible marker. Um, T4 goes up because the reduced transport, okay? So it's going up, but the tissues are getting less. So this is reduced tissue level of thyroid, then it starts dropping because the TSH is going down and making uh, T4. What constantly goes up is reverse T3, what well, goes down more linearly because it's less affected by the energy of uh, its transporter. So what's the best marker for low tissue level of thyroid? Well, t free T3 is pretty good. Reverse T3, High reverse T3 is pretty good. So that ratio is the best marker. And looking at that ratio of free T3 to reverse T3. Now, if you're an engineer or a scientist, you're going to give me a call and say, the, the units aren't right. It should be total T3. If that's what you want to use to make the units work out, go ahead. But just forget the units and just do it this way. Um, but you'll find, and you'll find all your patients, you give them a little T3. If you want to, one thing you can do for your practice, learn how to treat thyroid well, you will not be in need of patients. They will find you. Uh, also, this case, just a couple of things, fibromyalgia. They did TRH testing, so where they secrete thyroid-releasing hormone, and you can determine if they have secondary or tertiary hypothyroidism, so with pituitary or hypothalamic dysfunction. They basically found that all patients, every fibromyalgia patients, was hypothyroid, despite the fact that standard blood tests, TSH, free t 4 3T2 were the normal range, and they found that these Uh, fibromyalgia patients tend to have a lower TSH of 0.86 versus 1.42 in normals. Um, And uh, they also tend to have a T4 on the high side, so exactly what we're talking about. So that's that study there. Um, Let's talk about kind of Hashimoto's again. So people say, well, Hashimoto's, you know, antibodies, we only checked two antibodies. This study, Lancet, looked at people who are just fatigued and they did thyroid biopsies on them, and they found 40% actually had uh, lymphocytic thyroiditis. And But they were not positive for, most of them were not positive for TPO or antithyroidal antibody, and basically their blood tests were normal. So, and they gave them all, all treatment, and they responded to treatment regardless of what their initial thyroid panel was. So, showing that, you know, people with 40% with fatigue had thyroiditis. So, and they all responded to thyroid. Uh, study published in New England Journal of Medicine was talking about with PMS. This study found 94% of patients with PMS had thyroid dysfunction. And this was by TRH testing. And now they, you can't get TRH commercially anymore because they said it's unnecessary now that we have the highly sensitive TSH. Um, So 94% of patients with PMS had thyroid dysfunction compared to 0% of those who didn't. 65% had normal thyroid tests that could only be diagnosed with TRH testing. And they found that in this study, all the patients had significant improvement with thyroid replacement. So, Another study uh, in the American Journal of Psychiatry they, looked, they did TRH testing again. this found 70% of women with P, uh, PMS had low thyroid. Uh, obesity, people say, you know, it's my thyroid, oh yeah, just stop blaming your thyroid. They studied Journal of Endocrinology and Metabolism and, you know, the old saying, how do you hide something from an endocrinologist, put it in their journal. Um, <laughs> and the accuracy of using TSH to identify hypothyroidism in obese patients via, via TRH testing. The study found that all of the TSH levels were not significantly different. So this one, 36, they had a pretty strict criteria on their TH. 36% of obese patients had severe, severe thyroid dysfunction, okay? Um, and about 80% had, had, so yeah, had, had thyroid dysfunction, but 36 severe. And here's just the readings of obese versus non-obese. Insulin resistance. Insulin resistance, diabetes, and metabolic syndrome uh, associated with significant inflammation, and immune dysfunction. So you get that reduced T4, T3 conversion with that uh, graph I showed you. You get an intracellular deficiency of T3, increased conversion of T4 to reverse T3, which, again, is a vicious cycle. So many things in medicine are vicious cycles. And so basically the reverse T3 blocks T4, T3 conversion and suppresses TSH, which suppresses T4, which then you get less, so it just goes around and around. So the elevated insulin will also increase D2 activity. So remember, D2 increases T4, T3 conversion in the pituitary, not in the rest of the body. So now the pituitary sees more thyroid with diabetics and drops. So while these patients, their cells are starving for thyroid, the pituitary is happy and has low TSH. So we'll check basal metabolic rate on every patient that comes in and we find that majority of people with fibromyalgia chronic fatigue syndrome, obesity, uh, all these conditions have about a 25% lower metabolism. So they're gonna have to burn 500 more calories a day just to stay even, so they have to run, you know, whatever it is, you know, run for an hour to try to just stay even or or stay hungry all the time. Uh, diabetic individuals also have in this study here, again, Journal of Clinical Endocrinology Metabolism, so another endocrinologist saw it. Um, they have a 42% reduction in T4, T3 conversion. But hey, give them T4, right? That's the standard. Um, again, another one on uh, diabetes and insulin resistance, number of studies here. We looked at 50 diabetic patients compared to 50 non-diabetics. No difference in TSH and T4 levels, but significantly decreased free T3 levels. That averaged 46% less the controls. The free T3, free T4 ratio is 50% less in diabetics. Uh, the TSH failed to elevate des- despite the fact that the serum T3 was approximately half of normal. But again, it's in the normal range because they're not the lowest 2.5%. You're the lowest 5%, you're fine to stop being lazy, right? And it's like, hey, D minus, good job. Uh, another study here, 50% of uh, diabetics had a 50% reduction in T3 and increased reverse T3 levels. So leptin, major regulator of body weight we, we talked about, it promotes Th1 cell differ- di- differentiation and cytokine production. Uh, so leptin resistance is associated with a decreased Th1, Th2, so you get that imbalance, okay? Uh, with Th2, and we see with so many illnesses, chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmune disease, and if you look at um, uh, Lyme patients, they're all just Th1, Th2, a lot of inflammation, but they can't fight the infection. Um, and so really we're working now with Lyme is just exploding, getting that immune modulation, that Th1 up, uh, which lotus naltrexone can work very well in getting that th2 down uh, you look at aids patients when they have their th1 th2 is balanced they're pretty much asymptomatic as soon as it starts going like this they start going into symptoms and full blown aids tuberculosis when it's basically you know in remission th1 th2 balance starts getting th2 dominant boom becomes active so you want to keep the uh, immune system modulated. And lutexaltrexone, as we've heard, is not just again, you know, Th1, uh, you know, Th1, Th2 promoter, it's immune modulator. So it does some other things, like gamma globulin, I like it because it, it modulates immune system, lowers Th, uh, Th2, um, but it also suppresses natural killer cell function. Fineness, um, I love, it increases Th1. Uh, that we're using a lot of patients, and again, some of the new immune modulators, condominium factors and interferons and stuff. So this just talks about how, how leptin, uh, basically will you'll get, with leptin resistance is like low leptin. So you're basically gonna get uh, altered Th1, Th2 balance. And so check that leptin level on everyone. It's a reason to use naltrexone if you find it. Any insulin resistance, any of these things. Uh, so again, leptin resistance, diminished TSH. So if you have a leptin level above 12, the TSH is not reliable. Because you have also have a, suppressed, uh, so you have a suppressed TSH, a suppressed T4 or T3 conversion, increased reverse T3. You get increased appetite because the body, the brain thinks the body's starving. Increase in insulin resistance and inhibition of lipolysis, fat breakdown. Now most people have leptin resistance have insulin resistance, but we have people come in who can't lose weight. Discovery Channel sent a patient over who couldn't lose weight. They did the uh, gastric bypass, still couldn't lose weight. Said it was her thyroid, said it was her thyroid. Uh, so they sent her over and they put her in the hospital and put her on a 500 calorie a day diet and she gained a pound a week. And um, came over, we found she had low thyroid. She started to stabilize it, but something still was wrong. Found she had leptin resistance, her insulin was great, but her leptin normal was less than 10. She was like at 73. And so we worked on leptin resistance and she lost all the weight. Um, Lodosaltrexone can improve leptin resistance. Again, TSH is not reliable. So consider it in those patients. Physiologic reverse of leptin resistance restored deionase activity. Okay, so let's say you give Lodosaltrexone, restored the deionase activity except in the presence of reverse, high reverse T3. Okay, so if they have high reverse T3, you want to give lotus naltrexone, but also something to reduce the high reverse T3, which is generally either get rid of all the inflammation or the underlying, or give T3. So lotus naltrexone and T3, which is a great weight loss uh, way for, to treat obese patients, by the way. Um, so interesting study there, and that was American um, Physiology Endocrine and Endocrinology Metabolism. Uh, in order to have biological activity, the T4 and T3 must have across the cellular membrane. So we used to think that whatever's in the, uh, in the serum will just transport into the cell, will diffuse into the, into the cells. That's what they still being taught. It's totally wrong. It's energy dependent. Um, that basically the T4 uh, uh, transporter is much more energy dependent, so any any condition associated with low energy, you get less T4 into the cells. Uh, T3 is energy dependent, but less so. So conditions associated with reduced mitochondrial function, which includes any inflammation or immune dysfunction associated with impaired thyroid transport. So they're finding now the common denominator of so many of these illnesses. You look at neurodegenerative diseases, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, You look at their mitochondria, their electron scanning microscope, they're dysfunctional. Their mitochondria aren't working. Chronic infections, all these things. So, and again, it just becomes a vicious cycle. Our immune system doesn't work, you get immune dysfunction, they don't produce any hormones, and it just, so that's why you see all these multi-system illnesses. And low cell trexone is a a good tool in your arsenal for these patients that no one else wants anything to do with and can't figure it out. Very safe, very cheap. Um, Again, insulin resistance, diabetes, obesity, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, aging, chronic fatigue syndrome, migraines, chronic inflammation. Again, standard blood tests, very unreliable. And anything you do to reduce that inflammation, you'll improve thyroid transport. So again, talked about different transporters for for each of the hormones. and here is, so did this graph where uh, This is basically the cellular uptake of thyroid hormones and then the percent drop in basically mitochondrial function. With very little reduction in mitochondrial function, you see T4 drops very quickly. The T4 transporter doesn't work. So T4 does not get into the cell with any inflammation. Same with reverse T3. So these kind of parallel each other So you can find that if you have high reverse T3, it tells you T4 is not getting into the cell. Your patients low thyroid and don't use T4 on them. Look at uh, depressed patients. Same thing. They all have most of them will have low normal uh, TSH, high normal T4, low normal T3, and high normal reverse T3. Now T3 is energy dependent the transport, but but more linear. So. So you give, basically, a T3 when you have this problem. And accuracy of TSH just drops off quickly. Same with T4. T3 is a little better, but if you look at the ratio, it's going to be much better. Um, again, but the pituitary is completely different. If you want to pick a tissue not to use to determine what the thyroid level is in the tissue of the rest of the body, don't use the pituitary. But well, what do we use? The pituitary has completely different deiodinases that are actually, again, upregulated with inflammation and illness, different high-affinity receptors, again, all the toxins, pesticides, BPA, blocks thyroid receptors in the rest of the body, but not the thyroid, different transporters that are energy-dependent, and it will maintain, basically, thyroid levels that between the rest of the body cannot. And how am I doing time-wise? Um, so thyroid transport and the pituitary was increased when the rest of the cells have decreased. So the TSH decreased even when serum levels were decreased by 50%. And again, this is a journal of clinical investigation due to um, increased pituitary thyroid transport. Um, again, this is just showing that uh, there's different transports, pituitary and the rest of the body. These observations lend further support to the view that thyroid hormone transfer in the pituitary is regulated differently than in the liver. They use liver as just one of the tissues. Um, Here they gave basically reverse T3, they found blocked cellular uptake by T3 by 34%, and uptake of T4 by 23%. So high reverse T3, T4 and T3 are not gonna be getting into the cells. And this is interesting. So what they did, they had cells and looked at how well they were able to transport T4 and T3 into the cells. They found that if you incubate those cells with serum from stressed individuals, dramatic reduction in T4, T3 transport into the cells. If you incubate them with a uh, serum from a non-stressed individual, no problem. So you wonder why you know, stress is just a killer, um, and it's just basically you know, stress causing obesity and all these oth- other problems from this increased inflammation, decreased thyroid. Um, and again, lotus is one of your tools to help that. Again, serum from non-stressed individuals have no effect. This is another study showing where physiologic stress injuries, 44% reduction in T4 uptake and it was shown that the free to three diversity ratio was the most accurate marker. And so how do you tell if your patient has reduced thyroid transport? Now really, because you know, we, we can't tell what's going on in the, in the cells, that's the biggest problem. Symptoms are the number one key, but you wanna support it by labs because if you just give thyroid based on symptoms, someone starts criticizing your, your treatment, you're going to have a tough time defending it. So reverse T3 you want to check. Uh, so if it's high reverse T3, you know they're going to be low thyroid. Um, so it's a it has a dual, it's only, not only a marker, but a reason for being low thyroid. So if you hear thyroid resistance. So thyroid resistance is a general term. Could be from a lot of things. Excuse me, could be from low transport, poor conversion, um, hypercoagulability, we'll see this in about 60, 70% of chronic fatigue syndrome in Lyme patients, where they have immune activation of coagulation, and they lay fibrin down on the vessels. It's not a clot, but if you check a uh, coagulation panel, about 80% of them will be positive. And so thyroid can't get through. Oxidate usually takes two seconds to get into the cells, now it takes up to four minutes. So the cells are hypoxic. They can't, uh, cells can't detoxify because they can't get through. Uh, nutrients can't get in, so another reason to have thyroid resistance. Some studies by Lowe and Berg on that. Um, here's immune activation and chronic fatigue syndrome, suppresses activation of the thyroid receptor. So again, immune activation uh, for thyroid, another reason to use LDN. Wide range of chronic illnesses including fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, associated with chronic infection causing immune activation of coagulations, what I talked about, uh, resulting in acquired resistance. Treatment with heparin, we use a lot of heparin, exceedingly safe, safer than aspirin, we use low doses but can be very effective. Low dose naltrexone, higher doses of T3 to overcome the resistance and you're well on your way to treating a lot of your chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia patients. So almost all chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia patients are low thyroid, really any chronic illness, you're gonna find that, because a combination of secondary, tertiary, reduced T4, T3 conversion, increased reverse T3, um, LDN benef- significantly beneficial for these patients and many others. So one other thing, when I, you know, how do you look at another measure of tissue level of thyroid, I'm wondering how, um, uh, is SHBG. And it's a good mark, you should test this in all your patients, sex hormone binding globulin. It's produced a liver in response to two things, the amount of thyroid in the liver, the amount of T3 in the liver, and the amount of estrogen. So if your patient is normal estrogen, you think, but say so they're menstruating normally, um, or they're being replaced, and their sex hormone binding globulin is low, you know they're low thyroid. So low sex hormone binding globulin for women, it's, it's, it's a, a better test because of the wider range. So if a woman comes in below 70, you know she's either low estrogen or low thyroid. If she's estrogen replaced, then you're, you're giving her thyroid, then you may not be given enough thyroid. Also, you're giving thyroid orally, so you get first pass metabolism through the liver. So liver should be seeing more thyroid than the rest of the body. So if the liver is not seeing more, if it's seeing not enough, again, sexual embodiment less than 70 in women, about 30 to 35 in men, they're likely low thyroid. So it's a nice measure of tissue level of thyroid. This study here, um, young women average SHBG was 24 in hypothyroid, 43 in euthyroid, and 153 in hyperthyroid. Older women, it was 37 in hypo, 69 in euthyroid, 115 in hyper. Younger men, 15, normal thyroid, 27, 107 in hyper. Older men, 42, 54, and 83. So it can also be used as follow-up to to check your dosing to see how if you're giving adequate dosing. Now, if you give thyroid and the TSH does not go up, you just diagnose thyroid resistance. So SHBG will increase with the use of uh, LDN or the administration of T3. with, with normal individuals, but those, not with those with thyroid resistance. So it's a marker for that. So basically in conclusion, LDN can be effective for autoimmune thyroiditis, which was kind of the, uh, you know, was supposed to be kind of the main topic of this, but really it can improve thyroid levels and all the tissues and all these chronic illnesses. And all these patients that come in with low symptoms of low thyroid, it's such a wide-ranging problem that pretty much the overwhelming majority of their patients are low thyroid, despite having normal thyroid tests. So I can thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation. All past conference presentations can be found on our website, www.ldnresearchtrust.org.